Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. My video froze there for a second. Uh, I think it's okay. I think the way this records is we'll be fine. Okay. Um, We are both very excited to be talking to you about a brand new movie. So, spoiler alert in advance. We were definitely spoiler. There's a lot, I feel, to talk about. Anyway, we didn't set it up last time, but today we're going to be talking about the new Flash. Tell me something. You can go anywhere. Another timeline. Another universe. So why do you want to stay and fight to save this one? Because this is the world where my mom lives. I'm not going to lose her again. Time has a pattern that it can't help reliving. Different people, different worlds, drawn to each other like magnets. My face. So my face. If you were to go into the past, you have no idea what the consequences can be. Bruce, I could fix things. You could also destroy everything. This can't be happening. I completely broke the universe. Sod, we've been waiting for you. I created a world with no metahumans. And now there's no one to defend us. Want some help? are going to want to see this. Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston? I do. So this one was directed by Andy Muschietti, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He directed the uh, the two It recent It movies. Uh, it stars Ezra Miller, Michael Keaton, Sasha, K- I don't know if it's Kale or Callie, Michael Shannon, Ron Livingston, Ben Affleck, some other people. 2023 movie which is currently on max which used to be called hbo max and the synopsis from imdb is barry allen uses his super speed to change the past but his attempt to save his family creates a world without superheroes 
forcing him to race for his life in order to save the future. All right. So yeah, this I mean, was a another, f- another way you, you could synopsize it even shorter would be like the Flash runs so fast he goes back in time to save his parents and he messes everything up. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So this was an, I mean, it was a new movie for everybody, I guess, but it was a first time watch for both of us. So what did you think? Yeah, let me and let me just reiterate. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert. We've got to talk. There's like Easter eggs and stuff that we've got to talk yeah, about. Yeah, and so we're going to talk about it. So if you haven't seen it and you want to see it and you don't want us to spoil it, go watch it on HBO Max or whatever. Yes. And yeah, if you've already seen it and you want to talk about it with us, although we can't hear you, uh, here we go. Um, You know what I think? I think what I thought about it was it was better than I was afraid it was going to be. Um, I, I had more fun than I thought I was going to have. The DC Universe movies tend to just feel so serious and like heavy and like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, and this actually I laughed out loud a few times in this one. I thought there was some sequences that, you know, the little kid in me was like, oh, that's cool, you know. And there were some sequences that I thought were really fresh and funny. Um, I did think overall the thing felt too long. And um, it didn't entirely avoid getting feeling kind of heavy and leaden in certain parts. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of CGI in this that just feels like they stopped halfway through. Like they just didn't render it. You know what I mean? Like we can talk about the parts, but I was like... I was like, did you run out of budget or hard drive space? Or why isn't this, why isn't this fully baked? I mean, there's some stuff that really looks like, looks like crap, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, but the parts of it that I liked, I found very endearing. And yeah, I mean, I guess I was expecting sort of, more of the same with maybe a few highlights and it was better than that. What did Mm -hmm. you think? Yeah. So, um, as you said, the, I definitely, the worst part about it is the CGI and it's not always terrible. The movie I would say, and I know some people who, if I said, Hey, watch this movie, are going to be like, I tried to watch for like 15 or 20 minutes and I just couldn't, I couldn't take it it doesn't start out great. And that's where a lot of the bad CGI is. So there's a scene early on where there's like an earthquake or something. And this building is (laughs) collapsing and the flash is saving these babies that have fallen out of the window. And so wait, let's, let's set it up a little bit more fairly than this. All right. So he, he, he always feels like Batman calls him when there's some sort of like lower level disaster. Now we have to, we have to point out that Bath- Batman in the beginning is Ben Affleck. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so he gets a call from Alfred and everybody else was busy. So he's like, Barry, I'm going to need you to go and say there's a hot problem at the hospital. There's like a sinkhole. And so he's sort of complaining the whole way and he gets there and the whole east wing of the hospital, which he can sort of, sort of sticks out, it starts to collapse. And up at the very upper floor of it is a maternity wing where all the the babies are and there's a nurse that somehow is locked in the unit and the thing sort of collapses and the floor slides to like 60 degrees and the windows blow out and all of the babies and the nurse and everybody go 
sp- spilling out into into space, basically, and this free fall, and they're all screaming, and there's what twelve, like probably yeah, something like that. newborn babies and swaddling <laughs> things falling through the air, and bad CGI aside. I would say it's almost I mean, the only thing I could think of is maybe it's deliberately cartoony, like they wanted to go for a. I guess I don't know. Maybe maybe they didn't want you to think like real babies be, were in peril or something. Be I don't too know. scared by it, yeah. Yeah, that, that crossed my mind too because it's quite a bold scene. You At know, one what I mean? point like he, the, he puts a baby in a microwave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, so not to kill the baby to save the baby. No, but. it's definitely so he Barry is <laughs> But there is a he's baby like, in a microwave. He's already got low blood sugar. They established that he, he has to eat like a horse all the time yeah. because his metabolism Which makes sense, is so cuz you think of sure. like Michael Phelps with swimming where he ate like 15,000 calories a day or yeah. whatever. So yeah, that that makes sense. So he's already started off on a bad morning because the, the, the woman who knows what he likes at the coffee shop is out sick that day. And he's got a chatty guy instead who just mm-hmm. won't make a sandwich. So he's he got low blood sugar. And he's sort of taking this all in. He goes into like high speed mode and he's clocking all of these babies in midair. And, you know... One baby has got like there's like a whole box of scalpels that has come open <laughs> open and the scalpels are all headed right at the baby. Another one, there's like a oxygen tank that has gotten dinged and has ignited, and so it's like a huge flamethrower, and it's it's a baby is headed right towards the flames, etc. 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 There's a huge heavy cabinet or something that looks like it's about to smush one of the babies. So he takes all of this in. It, it is literally 12 babies. And and he and so when he takes off, he doesn't go for the babies. He goes for the vending machine. Yeah. <laughs> he punches his head through the vending. It snarfs down all of this junk food to get his metabolism he up. He gets a burrito and, then, and heats it up in the microwave. And exactly. And then, the the, then he starts saving babies and mm-hmm. you know, hopping from thing to thing. Uh, and he puts the baby in the microwave so that when it passes through the flamethrower, it's protected. And he throws a bedpan that knocks the, you know, the things out of the way. And he does all of the, we've seen it in Marvel movies when Quicksilver is the Marvel version of the Flash. Um, they have a lot of fun with these slow-mo scenes. And and I thought this scene was actually pretty fun. But the CGI is poor in I really thought the only explanation for it was that they might have deliberately wanted it to be cartoony so that people didn't really feel traumatically worried about babies. Yeah. But the CGI is just laughably bad. And I, I would kind of disagree on this scene. It feels like it goes on forever. It does. And, and it kind of stands out compared to the rest of the movie. It doesn't, I guess this is to set up, you know, his powers or whatever for people who aren't familiar, which I don't really think you have to do a whole lot with the flash other than just be like, he runs really fast. I mean, it's not a complex, you know, setup. I don't think, but I sort of disagree though. I mean, it, it actually, well, they, 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 they have him spun... other powers where he can go through yeah. walls and things like that. Yeah, the speed that, force then, thing is he can, right. he, he can phase cause he just moves his molecules so fast that they kind of mm-hmm. go through other molecules and it turns out he can run faster than the speed of light. So that's how he's able to kind of go back in time and change things. So it's, it's, it's not just that he's really fast. It's mm-hmm. that he's, 
For me, the narrative purpose of the baby scene, aside from laughs, is to set up the mentality of this still young man who has <coughs> what I'm not a psychiatrist, but I mean, looks like pretty acute ADHD. Like he, right. <laughs> he, he is a mile a minute. His brain is a mile a minute and easily distractible and all these sort of classic textbook things. Um, and, and he has, um, it, to call him cocky isn't quite right, but, you know, I think this idea of I can save them all, I can fix it, right? I mm -hmm. have time. I have mm -hmm. time. Um, I'm fast enough to do it all. Um, and that is the kind of mindset that we want to establish with this first scene, because even though he is told explicitly, <laughs> don't don't mess with the timeline. You can't go back and say, you know, Batman says to him, our loss defines who we are. Right. Mm -hmm. And and if you go back and you change that, who knows what else you're going to change? It could be cataclysmic. Don't do it. And he says, yeah, but I can do it. Right. And so he does it. And guess what? It messes up everything. So narratively, I don't think it needed to be that long, but yeah. narratively for me, that scene was about showing us, a young man who hasn't had the life experience, I guess, as a superhero yet to know. And his mother even tells him that, that there's not a solution to every problem. Mm -hmm. But he, I mean, it's like Spider-Man. He's like, I can do both. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of Spider-Man echoes in this depiction of this character for yeah, me. And you know what? I didn't really, I didn't really think about that, but, but yeah, now that you say it, I, I agree. So, and so one thing that I think we ought to touch on is Ezra, Ezra Miller himself. So I don't want to litigate, you know, all the problems that he's had and all the issues with him and everything. I want to judge this just on his performance. And I didn't particularly like him in the justice league. I thought he was kind of annoying and I was anticipating not liking him in this but I actually did like him and I thought his performance is good. So ba essentially what happens is his mother has died in this. She's been murdered, I guess. And his dad has gone to prison for her murder, her murder, even though he didn't do it. And so the Barry Allen, the flash um, finds that he can run fast enough that he can reverse time. And this opens up these, you know, a multiverse or whatever. So he goes to a, another multiverse and finds another him who is not a superhero. And I thought his performance was really good in terms of, so the, the main timeline, I guess you say Barry Allen is a little bit older and this him that he meets is 18 and, you know, a little more. So the, the you know the him in the present or whatever is a little more mature than this other one and i i thought he did a really good job of of uh you know displaying the the differences between them um and so then when the movie really picks up is in this other universe or alternate timeline or whatever there is no superman um there is batman and he knows that batman is bruce wayne and so they go to find Bruce Wayne, 
who is retired or, you know, has quit or whatever, because Gotham has become this really safe city, one of the safest cities in, in the country. And so he has, you know, uh, given up. So when they go there, it is the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, uh, Bruce Wayne. And so things really start to take off then I felt. And I wonder, and we'll get into later. I think we can get into this movie didn't do well. And I think we should talk some about, you know, what we think was the reason for that. But for me, having been, you know, growing up with the Michael Keaton, you know, that was kind of our first real Batman. I mean, you had, um, the sixties, uh, Adam West Batman, but you know, that was a really corny Batman, but the first, you know, kind of on screen movie Batman was the 1989 Tim Burton, Michael Keaton. And so I was just in heaven with all the, all mm -hmm. of that stuff with Keaton and, and, you know, they have the, the Danny Elfman music. And, and mm -hmm. I kind of wondered if it was just going to be a cameo and it's not, I mean, it, he's in it for pretty much the second half of the film, probably for an hour. I would say he's pretty much Batman in this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. we do see Ben Affleck, but this is really, if you had to say, well, you know, mostly who plays Batman in this movie, it's Michael Keaton. Yeah. And what, what do you think you. of all of that? Well, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I yeah. thought, I think I think they held it lightly. You know, they got his some of his catchphrase. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. You know, yeah, I'm Batman. You know, um, and they he has <laughs> young Barry has roommates that are really funny. Right? <laughs> yeah, that was funny. That's the moment this that he realized that Batman does exist. He goes, so there's no Superman, there's no Aquaman, and the guy's like, is is he like a is he like a magic mermaid, mermaid or something like that? He's like, he's like, what? No. Uh, you know, he's like, he can swim underwater. He can breathe underwater. He can talk to fish. He can like control the water. He's like, so like a magic mermaid. <laughs> it's, it's literally what you just described. <laughs> I thought that, I thought it was, was really fun. And then the, then the girl goes, I'm Batman. And he yeah. turns around and he goes, wait, what'd you say? And she's <laughs> chugging a soda or a seltzer. And she goes, I'm, and she belches bad. Yeah. yeah. And everybody laughs. And I just thought this is so much fun. I've this is I as much this fun was, as I've had in the DC universe. I thought this was pretty well written and with a lot of good dialogue, you know. Yeah, it is pretty well written. I mean, the comedy is sophomoric and I don't think it strikes I don't think it chimes all the time. Like he's got mm. two co-workers that are basically they're just dicks it's a guy and a mm. girl and they're just like cartoon frenemies they're they're sort mm. of his friends but all they are is mean to him and the time that with in, in in the way in which they're mean to them doesn't feel it feels comic booky so there's a part of me that's like some of this movie is you know painted as though it's a comic book some of this movie is painted as though it's a part of the dc franchise part of this movie is feels very marvel cinematic universe wannabe mm -hmm. which is sort of different than comic booky um mm -hmm. you know and and, and so in none of it for the most part the whole thing doesn't quite gel those different ribbons don't weave seamlessly into you know one cohesive thing i i i i sort of felt like okay well this sequence is cartoony 
This sequence feels like a Marvel knockoff. This sequence feels like DC Universe. But mm-hmm. to be fair, there were some sequences I'm like, you know, this this sequence is really enjoyable. Like some of the times I think it's really funny. Some of the, There's a scene early on when the Ben Affleck Batman, while he's saving the hospital, the Ben Affleck Batman is chasing down the bad guys that caused the whole thing. And there's a, he's, his bat jet comes in and a hatch opens and sort of deploys the Batmobile. And he goes screaming off and we're street level following the Batmobile chasing this car. And he goes skidding around a corner and like shifts gears. And then it cuts to these school kids that are just like grade school kids that have just on a school trip. And they're just like, Whoa, the awesome, you know, and it takes a moment to remind us why we love comic book movies. It's that kid yeah. in us that's like, oh, that was cool. And it yeah. was cool. The sequence There's was a lot genuinely cool. So that worked, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of that in this, especially with a lot of that. The, the Ben Affleck stuff, um, that was there was a lot of, of bad CGI with that, too. And uh one thing that this is a very nitpicky thing, but one thing that kind of annoyed me a little bit with that is he's talking with the flash hmm. while he's on the motorcycle or whatever. Right. And you right. know, They're they on know comms. Each, they've got like comms. Yeah, they have going. comms, but they know each other's identities. Right. But he's still doing, you know, the, the Batman voice. Well, <laughs> right. it's like, why do you have to do the Batman voice? Right. But he knows. And he's like, Bruce, you know, blah, blah. I don't yeah. know. That's a very yeah. nitpicky thing. But I really felt like once you get to the, the it, it seemed like all of the good CGI was the was the Keaton stuff, um, and there was a lot of that. What you're talking about, where it seems where it's just like, wow, that's cool because because of the ability to use CGI, they were able to have him be much more active and mobile than he ever was in the Burton movies. Right. So there's a lot, you know, still can't, the cowl still doesn't let him turn his head, you know, but they they had a body double and they sped it up so that his jujitsu and everything actually looked pretty dope. Like he, yeah, the jujitsu and all of that, like that looked good. And you have a little bit of this in the Burton movies, but they do a lot of him, you know, flying with the cape yeah. And also with the bat wing, you know, there's a whole bunch of sequences of him flying around and it, you know, rotates and all. And so all of that, there was a whole lot of, wow, this is just awesome for me in, in all of the, the Keaton Batman stuff. Yeah. Which I'm getting into an aside here, but I, we sh- I think we should talk about, you know, how this movie performed and it kept me thinking why they couldn't have just done a third Keaton just made it a whole Batman movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, you know, they're always trying to set up a franchise and a spinoff and all of that, but you you could have used a lot of the elements of this of, you know, Batman's gone into retirement and you could have even had a, you know, kind of played with a thing of he's kind of, you know, it's been 30 years since he's been, scene so he's almost just sort of a legend at this point right. you know people don't even know if he was real and but there's this alien uh you know who's invaded and so batman's got to c- come out of retirement you could have had 
you could have had Superman in this. It wouldn't have yeah. had to have been whatever. But we haven't talked Supergirl about her is. yet. So we've got, yeah. it's not Supergirl. It's it's Superman's cousin, but I don't remember the character's name. I'm not sure what she was called. So they, she was find, fine, you know. they go looking for Superman and they find a Supergirl, super young woman. <laughs> I mean, 20 something, you know. Um, and she's pretty badass. She talked one thing. This is I'm an old this is an old man comment, but she talked like um, uh, you know all the singers. Uh, oh, damn it! Um, who's the singer that sings? Uh, Billie Eilish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they all sort of talk. They've got sort of marble mouth thing that they do, and uh -huh. she's doing this too. It's the very a la mode. I'm like, oh wow, and she's super cool. <laughs> Because <laughs> you know, she, she talks in this sort of lazy man, mumble mouth way, and I, I don't know, it irritates me, but I'm sure everybody else loved it. But uh, she was pretty badass, and they got to have yeah. some fun with her knocking people around. But then, yeah, she so was cool. Zod shows up, right? Zod shows up, and it's down to Keaton Batman and this superwoman and the two versions of The Flash to try and stop him. But he comes, he shows up with a bunch of Kryptonians. It's not just mm -hmm. him and the big guy who is huge. I'm like, so what, you, there's a giant now on your planet? That's what not I just a big guy. Like, he's like, a, he's a literal giant. He's like twice the size of anybody else. And that's something that I thought about because on Krypton, they're just people. They don't have superpowers on Krypton. You know, it's just on earth that they have right. the superpowers. So, He's a but, giant guy that I don't know. But they, but they, so it's not just Zod and the big guy and and his uh, female lieutenant. It's um, they have like a whole it's army. A, it's a whole bunch of them. And so then you end yeah. up having this sort of CGI karate fight where it's basically a your heroes and then a bunch of ninjas. It's a bunch of mm -hmm. fighters in black that are really hard to beat. And this goes on and on and on. And I very rarely do I find these sequences exciting because it's all mm -hmm. the same. There's moments. You know, the thing that I really like that they did a few times in this film, they, they kicked it off, is they celebrate just his running, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and early on, he gets his sandwich and he goes out. He's going to head to the hospital from wherever he is when Alfred first calls him. And he changes into his suit, which he has in his ring. And he does this crazy, like, prep. Like, he, it's like a speed skater. He gets mm -hmm. in position where he puts one hand up and one hand back, and his little visor comes down. It takes a while. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And then, then you hear these kids on the sidewalk, these young teens go, whoa, it's a flash, and they're fans, right? Mm -hmm. So that breaks his momentum, so to speak, for a second. But when he starts running, it's pretty cool. They slow the time. They they come down to his heel, and it's and then time sort of slows down. And then his he kind of grinds his foot as he's about to take off, and it sort of goes. It sounds like a gun cock. It kind of goes, and then mm -hmm. cue the music, and it's like you know fast pulse and off he goes and mm -hmm. in this version of it he's not going like he he's he's running kind of slow-mo like you'd see a speed skater and he and everything else is blazing pie and that's mm -hmm. a that's a fun introduction sequence where i had the thought this is why kids love the flash you know there's a certain 
fan that's like he's my favorite because if i had a superpower i'd want to run that fast you know like dash Mm -hmm. in the incredibles just the joy of and he runs across the water and he does all of the stuff that you know if you could run that fast you would do and Mm -hmm. and it's they said it they just i mean it's an easy thing to do in a film but they set it to this really up-tempo rock and roll music and you're just you know it's like you just drank a red bull watching it you're like yeah go man go and uh-huh. so at the end, when the two of them decide they're going to they're going to kick these Kryptonians ass together, we have another moment like that where they kind of go heel to heel and take off in different directions. Right. I think this movie is at its most effective when it just celebrates the fact that they can run really fast. And all mm-hmm. of the other stuff muddies the water a little bit because at its root, it, it is really a pretty simple power. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I don't remember where I started that thought, but the thought I'm having now is I think the other strength of this is actually him playing against himself mm-hmm. because the older version of himself, the the sort of flash prime is a little bit older, lost his mom as a kid. Right. And so has grown up with a very different reality. Excuse me. And meets this 18 year old version of himself whom he resents profoundly because this kid has had it pretty easy. He doesn't yeah. have his powers yet. He's just a sort of a, I mean, sort of typical kid with two loving parents, you know? And uh, and I think that the way that they use the same actor to play off each other, like I don't, when we talk about sad, bad CGI, I don't see a screen split. I think the scenes in which they talk to each other is seamless. It's really well done. It's fantastic. Yeah. And the performance between him and him is great. And he, even the older one of him sort of, he's trying not to tell the younger one what happened that he was coming back to. And, and, you know, spoiler alert, the younger one finds out. But they're around the Batcave, and and the younger Flash is completely gaga over this stuff, and the older Flash sort of loses his patience and kind of snaps, explodes at him, and they recon they reconcile, right? The, what we get, mm-hmm. we get a scene where the younger one's like, "Look, man, I, I haven't done, I haven't done, I've done everything you've asked of me, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you just show up in my life here." And you change everything, and I, you know I'm just excited. Like this mm-hmm. is this is pretty cool, right? And so they they have a human moment together that I think really um, really helps. Sh- they they get the heart of this film pretty good. The relationship mm-hmm. with mom and dad is really lovely. And sure, maybe it's a little treacly, maybe it's a little implausibly sweet, but it's sincere. You know, and you really feel what the Flash has lost um, and and keeps trying to get back. Like you get the stakes for him. Um, And this is another moment when he when he learns something about himself by having to pal around with himself. And the thing we haven't mentioned is that the night that the younger Flash gets his powers, the older Flash loses his. Mm -hmm. So. The 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 bulk of the movie is the Flash, who has learned how to use his powers, is sort of mentoring a younger, impetuous version of himself who doesn't doesn't know how this all works yet. And they have yeah. a lot of fun with that, too. I thought that worked really well. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, again, I don't remember when I started rolling on this. I don't, I don't remember where I was going with it. But you wanted to talk about the performance. Yeah, I think uh, it's a shame, really. And again, you know, I'm not condoning anything. That, and I don't really even know all the stuff that... I don't really... I knew it was a big kerfuffle, but I don't know the details yeah, of what... Yeah, I, I think he basically was grooming this girl and like sort of held her against her will and all this kind of oh, stuff. Yikes. I don't know. But there's a bunch so of, not just, I think you were, know, not just drunken outbursts, but like some really, no, some pretty yikes. bad stuff. And mm. I think there were like drugs and guns and stuff involved. But anyway, I don't know all the details, but I think it's a bit of a shame if he has, you know, ruined his career because like I say, I, I think his performance is, is very good. And then, he also plays an an older, older version of himself where it's like they continue, the younger one continues trying to reverse the timeline over and over and over and over again until there's another version that is formed that has just gone through this millions of times and it's kind of this monster now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I thought his his performance was uh, was really good, you know, and if if his performance had not been good, you know, obviously the, like the entire movie hinges on him. So, um, I think we should talk a little bit about just what you think as to why this didn't do so. Cause this only made, it made under $300 million, like 268 million or something like that. And the budget was 250 or, or something. And, you know, I think of this in comparison to, and I, you know, kind of, uh, diss the Marvel movies on here a lot, you know, some of them, but I think the last Marvel movie that we talked about was the second uh, Dr. Strange, which I thought was terrible. Mm. And I enjoyed this movie much more than that. And that movie almost made a billion dollars. It was, it was like 5 million shy of, of a billion. So, you know, I, th I think it's, it's a little bit surprising to me with DC because, you know, prior to the last 15 years or so, general audiences would have known Spider-Man and the Hulk, basically. Uh, you know, they wouldn't have known Iron Man, a lot of these other characters, which are now household names. But DC has Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman that everybody knows who those characters are, you know my dad has seen one of the guardians of the galaxy movies. And I think if you asked him about the guardians of the galaxy, he would be like, I don't know what you're talking about, but he knows Superman and Batman and wonder Woman. you know? Sure. So it's, it's kind of amazing to me that they have these characters and they keep somehow managing to not connect with audiences. So, I, you know, I, I don't know with this, if it was, you know, I don't know how much people knew about Ezra Miller's Miller's problems, I don't know if, you know, when the trailers came out for this, I think everybody, you know, our age was like, oh, damn, they brought back Michael Keaton as Batman. But, you know, I got to thinking about it. If somebody's under 40, probably, mm -hmm. they weren't around when those movies were made, you know. Right. So they have no real uh, attachment to those. And so go ahead. And the um, joke at the end, of course, when he quote unquote fixes everything is, you know, Bruce pulls up and he's like, oh, phew. And my dad is uh, he, what he does is he moves the 
there's a there's a hail mary they do to try and get his dad out of prison uh where they have some store video footage that um uh, bruce wayne has cleaned up for him and that the Mm -hmm. hope is that it'll show his dad's face in the cleaned up footage and that will exonerate him because there's an ironclad alibi and the original thing is he never looks up he just you don't Mm -hmm. ever see his face so what barry does when he fixes the the thing he first did to save his mother he undoes it he has another idea and he moves the can of tomatoes the row the rack of tomatoes that his dad was going to the store to get higher so his dad Mm -hmm. has to look up to get the tomatoes and then he gets to the courthouse and he is exonerated and it's like haha he saved it and he saved his dad right yay and then he goes outside and bruce wayne pulls up and it's george clooney right it's not it's so you you go the joke is well you know you still you still change something you know and they've been having yeah. fun with casting all throughout but I don't know that anybody would remember George Clooney's Batman right I mean those I mean even George Clooney he, would like to forget those Batman he famously has I mean he brings it up a lot in in interviews that like he destroyed Batman you know and all that but I I thought that was the best gag in the movie but but I wanted to ask you about the so there's a there's when he goes to the different multiverses, there's basically, you know, he runs and then he sort of winds up in this almost like an arena, like a ring with all like the different timelines around him. And there's a, yeah. a scene and it's purely done for for fan service. And on the one yeah. hand, I thought it was it was cool. But on the other hand, it was kind of silly where it's the different universes are just sort of like planets, like these big balls with people. And then they'll zoom in. And so they have Christopher, Christopher Reeve, Batman. And uh, I I'm drawing a blank on her name, but the Supergirl from the eighties, like she comes in behind him and you know, they're, they're just sort of there. We had um, uh, the Adam West Batman. You see him for a second. And there's we even have the, there's even George Reeves, right? There's the original yeah, there's Christopher Reeves' father, the Batman. And there is the Flash from and I don't even know what that was from, like an old Flash movie from the 40s or whatever with the kind and of mercury funny. helmet and yeah. The, yeah. And it's funny because it's in black and white. So is it like <laughs> is it a black and white universe because it was a black and white movie or whatever? And then we have again I mean, these were strictly for fans. And I mean, it was cool that they included in this in this. And so, you know, a lot of people probably don't know about this, but Tim Burton was going to make a Superman movie with uh, Nicolas Cage. And so it was, you know, they did screen tests for it and everything, and it was scrapped. There's a documentary, which I've not seen, but I want to see that about about all of it and everything. So they even brought the Nicolas Cage uh that Superman in fighting a giant spider. And on the one hand, I thought all of this was pretty cool. But on the other hand, there had to be a lot of audiences that were just like, what? I don't understand this. Right. <laughs> Cause especially you, you have young people that, that might know Keaton Batman, but you have Christopher Reeve Batman, which is even a decade earlier than that, you know? And, and again, we've got some not great CGI there. So, those were cool Easter eggs, but I, I don't know. How, how did you feel about that? Did that stuff work for you? Honestly, I was just tired mm-hmm. you know, by that yeah, point. We, like, we, I we just have to say like, this is a two and a half hour movie, and it's much too long. And two I, hours would have been fine. 
two hours would have been fine. And I did think that some of that little frosting, they're really sprinkles. Like some of those little sprinkles mm -hmm. were kind of fun. But I think they were made too much of. It mm. didn't feel like an Easter egg. It felt like an inside joke. You know, an Easter mm -hmm. egg is something you can sort of freeze frame. In my mind, it's something you sure, sort of yeah, freeze yeah. frame and you see in the background there's a sign that on the wall that, it, you, you know, you if you didn't know to look for it, you'd miss it. Mm -hmm. um, like a little hidden wink somewhere. And these are actually scenes. Like these are actually sequences insider joke sequences um but they're just thought, so presented so strangely you know what i mean yeah. it's not like it's even part of the story it's just and like it's all oh, we're gonna zoom in on this thing now yeah, yeah. it's all like, cgi nicholas cage yeah. is not in this movie uh it's no. a completely fully rendered and you know the the new diablo video game or whatever cinematics look better quality than this it mm -hmm. really looks like something i could have done on my computer i you know it just doesn't make any sense to me why yeah. i mean there's got to be a reason it's not it's not an accident i don't know if it was i don't know if it was a test if it was to see like hey if people go crazy for this maybe can we, we could just do make a whole, movies like this right can yeah. we just make a movie with christopher reeve he's dead we don't have to give him any money you know right I mean, right uh and we own the rights to his likeness yeah. or whatever you know that actually so, that yeah. is disgusting but it makes a ton of sense Sure, yeah. Um, you know, they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not going to be like, oh, you guys are right. That doesn't, that's not fair or nice. They're going to well, do it. Well, I mean, it. We, we, we covered uh, the new Indiana Jones movie, and, you know, they, they do the, the young Indiana Jones with Harrison Ford's blessing. You know, he was involved with it. Right. But they're for sure. And I mean, I don't know. There was a Tales from the Crypt episode 30 years ago where they had uh uh humphrey bogart in it and you know they did it's an entire episode with humphrey bogart you know and he'd been dead for decades when they mm. so it's not like this is completely new but yeah they are going to make movies with you know at some point they will well i mean they had carrie fisher in sure Star Wars after she had died, you know, but you know, so. there, there is a line in my mind, sort of like if you do, if, 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 if you, you did, I haven't seen the Humphrey Bogart episode, but my presumption is they might've used a little live action, you know, body double stuff from the back where you couldn't tell, like if you needed a shot of him walking into a room and the cameras behind him, you use mm -hmm. somebody that could plausibly double for Humphrey Bogart and all the rest of it is probably existing footage yeah. that they, from other stuff. And the, so, you know, if you look at the contract that Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart had with the studio system at that time, that was probably explicitly part of it. it's like, you know, we're going to use the cuts that we use, but everything else we you know, as per your contract, we own that. And so if they're going to then go and use that in another property, legally speaking, you're kind of like, well, I mean, it's gross if you don't, and he's still alive, uh, mm. and you don't pay him for any royalties on the new movie for using his likeness, but I could see the argument, the legal argument for it. What, what I'm thinking about now is just computer generating out of whole cloth somebody's image like well we can make the computer 
look like Nicolas Cage. So let's just make a movie with the virtual Nicolas Cage in it, as opposed mm-hmm. to making up a Superman. We're gonna use we're gonna use Nicholas's Nicholas Cage's face, and there's nothing he can do about it because it's not yeah. really him. You know, and, you know that's and we're not gonna pay him anything. We're just gonna use his likeness and argue that that's like well he's a known figure, so it's public property, and he never showed up and on set, and we don't use his voice. We paid somebody else who sounds like him, so. Or we computer generated that too. I mean, that's where they're going is they want oh, their sure. cake and they want to eat it too. They want to capitalize yeah. on a star based film economy, right? They don't want to make it with an unknown. They want to make it with a known thing that's going to pull people into theaters, but they don't want to pay that person. And a hundred percent, I mean, and they're not quite there yet, like, but I think CGI no. is going there. I mean, it's, it's, it's clearly oh, going to yeah. be there in the next one to five years. Yeah. It'll be seamless. If at least, at, you know, at least 10 years, you know, and they will a hundred percent. It might be 20, 30 years from now. We might not be alive, uh, but they <laughs> will. Might, I mean, hopefully we might have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> we might have bigger fish to fry. Yeah. We're not going to be concerned about it. We're on our deathbed. Oh my God. They used Mark Hamill is dead, but they put him I in. I can't the believe but, they would do that. But, but they 100% will do that. You know, they're going to take like the original Star Wars trilogy characters after they're dead and make CGI, you know, just things of them. So it's going to happen. Right. The, I don't know. The rich, we... the rich will wash it in their Elysium ring in orbit while the rest of us yeah. literally broiled to death on the planet's surface. I don't, I don't know that we've, that we've talked about this and I don't want to get into too much of a side tangent, but one of the things that the, the actor and writer strikes are over is that, uh, and I think they're already doing this. I don't think this is like, you know, planned in the future, but for extras, what they are doing or wanting to do is basically the extra would come in, they would scan them and they would pay them for one day and then they could use their likeness forever. Um, which is it's pretty scary when you think about it, you know. It's it's um, pretty. I mean, un unbelievable. It's just, you know, they already. And I am not a professional actor. Like I don't make my living as an actor, but I I certainly know people that do. There's already so much of the cost that the performer is expected to absorb. Right? I mean, you audition. Ninety nine percent of what you do is audition. You get sides, Mm -hmm. you spend time working on those sides, (coughs) you self tape, right? So you, they, they don't have any, but you're doing all of that work yourself. Are you getting a friend to do it or you're doing it yourself? Hours, hours of preparation and work. You don't get paid for any of that work. Even if Mm -hmm. you book the part, you don't get paid for that work. That's just work you do to apply for the job. Um, right. And and they very effectively said, well, well, we're only going to pay you for the time you show up, right? Well, why why would we – we're going to pay you for a day rate, which I mean, might be $350 for the day, that they get mm-hmm. to use your the specificity that is you in perpetuity forever? Like, would you, would you sell someone your email and social security number for $350? Of course not. Like, why no. would you let them take a 3D render of your entire body 
and do that's, that's insane it's just insane and they're like what <laughs> you guys there's are monsters there's a clip this week uh, that went viral. I've seen like a bunch of people posting it of uh, Charlie Kaufman, the writer, Charlie Kaufman and director, I guess, too. And he says in the clip, he said that what they are asking for is an additional about $350 million per year from the studios, which he said, you have some individual CEOs making that much money. Right. And he's just like, it's obscene, <laughs> you know, and right. you, you have this stuff. And I, I stopped me if I've talked about this before on the show, but you have some of these actors who are, who I've seen a lot on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And they said, you know, people are, are like, you know, you're just a rich actor. And they're like, I am, I have been a regular on a series, but I am not rich just because you have seen me before doesn't mean that I'm making millions and millions of dollars. There right. was one actor that I wasn't familiar with because it was a show that I've not seen before, but he said, yeah, I'm a regular on this show on Netflix, but he said, I drive like a 12 year old Toyota Camry. Yeah. He said, you know, I'm like, not, driving I get recognized in, a- in restaurants. People want to take selfies with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, I mean, it beats working at a cubicle job for me, but I'm like, well, this show will end, and I'm not sitting pretty. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, when this the show ends, like, I got to... driving around in a Rolls Royce, you know, and living in a mansion. He's like, I'm living in a regular home, you know, and it's in L.A., which is expensive, and I've got an old Toyota, you know, uh, and I'm hoping that I will have another job, you know, after this. Yeah, so it's... This know, is again, actually... Not to get off on a tangent. No, but as a producer... This is what I try and tell my director uh, friends who want to make something and they want to try and get a recognizable face or an established professional actor versus just casting a friend or, you know, and, you know, if you're going to do something like that, you're going to do a union shoot because they're in the union. You want to pay them the union rates and that's more expensive than just hiring your friend or your brother-in-law. But. I said, you know, you might be surprised a lot of quote unquote recognizable faces, you know, not Brad Pitt, not A-list, not the Cinderella tier superstars, Mm -hmm. but people that you would recognize from shows. And and especially if they're of a certain age, if they've been working for 10, 20, 30 years and they are aging Mm -hmm. into the where there's only roles for like granddad or like crusty old woman next door or something. Um they they haven't willingly retired there just isn't the work for them anymore mm-hmm. they'd be delighted <laughs> they'd be delighted to do it for you know and if you've got like i don't know a thousand dollars for their day rate and you can shoot out everything if they've got four scenes in the movie which is a lot and you could shoot mm-hmm. them out in a day or two you could we can raise that money like that is doable and then you get mm-hmm. it just elevates the whole quality because these are not only seasoned performers with an enormous amount of experience, but they're eager to do their craft and they'll show up to set prepared and they will bring with them good ideas. I mean, it really is a delight when you can make that happen. I think I've talked about this, but you know, but before, but I think um, it's really, we think of the Brad Pitts and the Tom Cruises, but, for the vast majority of professional actors, it's a working class thing. It's like baseball used to be. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be an honest living where these guys weren't multimillionaires. It was just like, hey, it's great to be able to play the game I love and make a living at it, you know? And I think most actors live in that zone if they are able to make a living at it. 80 some percent of the people in the union don't even qualify for the benefits. Which you have is to make like a certain 20,000 or 25,000 a year. Yeah. It's Living not a high Los bar Angeles, to qualify yeah. for the healthcare, right? But you do right. have to make, I don't know, 20 to $30,000 as an actor in a year. 80 some percent of the people in the union don't meet that mark. So you're just right. low actors. You're like, well, it's all, it's a grind, man. It's not. And it's just incredible that it's not just the studios, but it's just large companies in general where you think, okay, you know, the CEO makes a hundred million dollars a year or whatever. <laughs> and he or she could make $50 million a year and everybody in the company could have, you know, X number of dollars more that they're making. Right. Right. But they so can't the, get by on $50 million a that's year. That's right. You know? That's right. The the difference in a person's quality of life, and of course, this varies wildly, but the the difference in an individual's quality of life, if they are making $50,000 a year, and you say, you know what? We're going to give you a raise. You're going to make $75,000 a year, right? That's That's half again as much as you're making. But the difference between... You're, let's say you're trying, you've got a wife and you guys are going to have a kid and, and she's staying home to take care of the kid, right? And you're making $50,000 a year. Imagine what happens to your quality of life if suddenly you're making 75. Palpable difference, right? Mm-hmm. That is maybe a second car. That is maybe another a home with a, yet another bedroom, right? So you might, instead of a two bedroom, you might be able to have a three bedroom. Big life changing difference. The difference between making $50 million a year and making $75 million a year in terms of what it does to your day-to-day living, uh, I mean, it's... It's meaningless. Yeah, it's meaningless. You're going to go eat at five-star restaurants either way. You're going to own a yacht either way. Mm. You're going to be able to fly private jets either way. Going from $75 million to $50 million, does, what is it? I mean, so you're like, well, I'm going to have to, I won't be able to get that 12th house, you know, because yeah, these yeah. people find ways to spend money on stuff they can never use just to not pay tax on it. It's, and, and that's and they mo- just, mostly just put it away, you know, I that's mean, just tens of millions of dollars. I mean, there are people mm-hmm. now that make hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And then of course we've got the Elon Musk's and the Bezos who are making hundreds of billions of, which is just mind boggling. You can't even. They have right. space programs. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. that's the bumper sticker I keep going back they to. They have like, more money than countries, you know. Yeah, that man has a space program. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just insane. Italy doesn't have a space program. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, this is turning into a socialist podcast, but I think things things have gotten so extreme in this country that. You know, and I'm not anti-capitalist, but but competition no. is the is the beating heart of capitalism. You have to have good, thriving, diverse competition in the market to keep things working for everybody and keep the economy going. And and we just don't. Everything's monopolized now. Everything has everything's well, owned by five companies. You know. And I think of what in you know this is sort of removed from the 
the argument about the, the studios, but I have a business. And to me, it's very short-sighted to be a business owner and want to have all the money. Ideally, if you're selling things, you want to have as many people where you live who have money to buy your products as possible. <laughs> you know, if everybody, if you own a company and everybody around you is poor, they can't buy your stuff, you know, just from a purely selfish standpoint, you want there to be people around you with money so they can buy things. Right. I don't and know. of course it's, just... it's the government that is supposed to regulate all this, but right. You know, the government is compromised. The government's mm -hmm. been bought and to a sufficient degree that it's, at least stymied, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's a real problem. I don't I don't know how we get out of that. But the government is supposed so anyway, to come in and break up these monopolies. That's what is... <laughs> if, if any writers or... Well, I mean, I, there are writers and actors. You know, you're an actor. Um, but if, you know, writers and actors who are striking, if you listen to the podcast, we... I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but... Um, I hope that you are able to win out and I hope that this doesn't stretch into Christmas time. Like the studios want it to, to starve yeah. you out, you know? Yeah. Really, really cruel so. tactics. It'll end eventually because yeah. people want it. You know, people want good content. AI is not smart yeah. enough to write good content yet. Although they're certainly working on that. Um, I think people want, People want to see good stuff. And I, there's, a, there's a place for the popcorn movie. You know, I love me some Lord of the Rings. I'm a little fatigued on the Marvel we're Universe. We're talking about The Flash. But, yeah, we're talking about The Flash. I use, there's, definitely, there's definitely a market for that stuff. But we also harp on this. I miss, in the 80s, I miss the just adult drama. I miss the legal thriller. I miss the... the mid, for sure, yeah. The mid-budget mid films you know, are gone. It's either low character budget. driven, you know, like Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, perfect example, like a relatively small movie that ended up being a hugely popular franchise. Going back and watching that first movie again, you, you realize <laughs> my daughter said the CGI kind of sucks. I'm like, well, come on. It was 1980, whatever it was. Give him a break. Yeah. But it's not a, big feeling movie it's it it manages to create a big global feeling scope in very intimate sets mm -hmm. right there's this market chase it's actually quite an intimate set although they make it feel yeah. like a different part of the world and the, then they have the plane flying and the dot going around the map a great motif so it does mm -hmm. these i want to use the term homespun feeling ways of of spin in a bigger yarn and making it mm. feel like it's the Ark of the Covenant and the biblical, you know, the wrath of God and the Nazis. And, and it really, it's not that big a movie to have done as big a job as it did. And it's because it's all, all the pieces, but great performances, terrific casting, great directing, a really a story that I think on paper studio execs might have said, I don't know if this is going to work. Like, are people going to like mm. this? You know, and of course, it's slam dunk. It's one of the famous home runs of certainly of our cinematic timeline. But, uh, you know, I yeah. showed it to my daughter. My daughter loves Indiana Jones. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it can't can't. It's got to be timeless to a certain degree. 
Oh, sure. But, yeah. But people sure. don't want to roll the dice on that stuff. I mean, I guess there's studios like A24 that are still kind of making thoughtful, lower budget, interesting stuff, but it's the exception. Very much the exception. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, along those lines, and not to get even more far flung, did you watch the third episode of Ahsoka? Yes, I did. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm liking okay. I've Ahsoka. I have not watched it yet. Yeah, I thought the first two episodes were great. People talked about how slow it is, but I, it, I, is, it doesn't feel slow to me. It's a little, like, compared to The Mandalorian, it feels a little more um, drama than action overall. And I think part of that is just the, is um, Rosario Dawson's performance as Ahsoka. Like, she's, she's very, very Jedi. Stoic, you know. Yes, and yeah. she's very Jedi. She, she, It's hard to play a Jedi who's supposedly so zen you know, so stoic mm -hmm. is the right word. Um, but also have it be dramatically interesting. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you no, know, yeah. because they have to care and they, they have to have feelings. They can't be so such not, masters of their feelings that they can't emote or it's boring. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We, we talked a bit about the, uh, with the last episode, we talked a bit about the cartoon, which I said I've not seen. And I was reading some stuff this week that people were saying, they felt uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is miscast in her role. How do you feel about that? Having watched the animated stuff. It's different. Um, she's grown on me. Uh, mm. Cause I think that, I think that actor does a, a good job of primarily what she does in the first three episodes is we see her care about her friends. Mm -hmm. We see her care about Ahsoka and, uh, you know, the, the rest. And, um, and I find that convincing. I find mm -hmm. her green hair tentacles, whatever they are, a little distracting, mm -hmm. um, as Ahsoka's sort of hair thing is a little distracting and in, in live action, but, um, yeah, it looks kind of rubbery, you know, she's depicted. Um, there's a, I think I said this and, earlier there's a kind of an earthier quality to the animated performance mm -hmm. um a more maternal she's tough as nails but she's kind of the den mother of this crew that's flying around um that i don't see in this performance that i missed a little bit early on but i think this actor is making it her own and um mm -hmm. it's mostly just the prosthetic headpiece that i find yeah. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't look good. The numbers have have been pretty low compared to The Mandalorian and Obi-Wan. I don't know if it's just because it's lesser known characters or, or, or fatigue or what. But like I've said, I, I'm really enjoying this a lot. Yeah. Those and would I, be my guesses. Know, Those would be my two primary guesses. Is that they yeah, just people don't know the property as much and... Plus, and I also I, think that the, the Mandalorian stuff is just more action packed. I mean, it's really spaghetti mm -hmm. Western. So there's a lot, a lot of those moments. Yeah. And this does not have that. Yeah. I think with this, I just like the the set design so much and the design of the, the you know, the evil droids and all of that and the lightsaber yeah. battles. I really like the the evil Sith or whatever they are, you know. So I, I only watched an episode or two of Andor and never finished it. And like, like I've said before, I didn't think Obi-Wan was very good. Um, so, but I'm really, you know, I, I gave this one a chance. I was just like, ah, I don't know. And I've, I don't really, I'm really yeah. into it so far. 
You and so, McGregor showed up for Obi Wan. I'll give that. Obi Wan, yeah, I I felt bad for you and McGregor because he gave it its his all, and you know Hayden Christensen was fine. I don't have anything against him, but it just seemed cheap to me. That that was my big. It just looked didn't look like you know the budget was on the screen. Mm. But so back to the Flash. Is there anything that we haven't talked about with it that that you want to get to? Mm. No, I mean, I think we're we're about at time here. I think that um, those are the those are the pressing things. I, you know, as DC movies go, yeah, I'd give it a thumbs up. I I uh, prefer the Marvel flavor. I didn't really ever collect DC comics. I collected Marvel comics, but I think this one was more fun than many of the other DC properties, and that's what won me over with it. Mm-hmm. I've always liked both. I mean, I bought, I was, I was definitely more into Marvel as a kid, but I bought DC, you know, I bought Batman and, you know, some other, I would occasionally buy a Superman comic and, and some other things, but I, I thought the, you know, Marvel is just such a brand now and they, they just feel so generic to me at this point. And I felt like this had a, one, one thing that some of the reviews that I read, they talked about, they were like, like several people that I saw said, Oh, this was such an ugly movie. And I didn't, I felt like this had more style than a lot of the, the Marvel films have had. Mm. Again, we talked about CGI problems, but overall, you know, it, it definitely touched those nostalgia buttons for me with all the Keaton stuff, which I'm a huge sucker for. I loved all of that. You know, I was kind of grinning ear to ear watching that, but I thought as <laughs> as Ezra Miller, his performance was really good. And all the performances were good in this. You know, the the girl who played Supergirl or Superwoman or whatever she is, you know, was was great as well. And so, you know, if this is your kind of thing, you know, if you're not into superhero movies, then avoid it. Yeah. But especially, especially for people who liked the Burton, Keaton, Batman movies, it's worth watching just for that. I've talked to a couple of people where it's like, yeah, I know you're not really into you know, superhero movies, but you liked those eighties and early nineties Batman movies. You're going to, you're going to be into this just for that. Yeah. So yeah, I would give it a thumbs up. The only other thing I would mention too, is I think a lot of these movies are trying to find a way to be sexy without alienating, without striking the wrong chord, right? And most of them are unsuccessful at that, right? These are movies... You know, that's interesting that you bring that up because I have read a good bit of... So it's kind of funny where people are... I'm sort of late to the game, but where people are giving up on Twitter or X now. And I've really gotten into Twitter in the last couple of years because I kind of gave up on Facebook and a lot of people are talking have talked about how sexless movies are now um especially with these marvel movies where there's no there's not even really romance in them you know what i mean and which is a, it's not like we need full on nude love scenes in these movies but it is a little bit weird that there's not really any kind of you and know it's it's so much of the source material right i mean yeah look at look at the superheroes in whatever you want to say about comic books the the people who draw comic books have really studied the human form right and sure. these these 
outfits are skin tight. I mean, they basically just are drawing nudes that they then take all the genitals and nipples off of, of and they colorize it. Um, yeah. And, you know, and that was, <laughs> as a teenage boy, that was a big part of the appeal for me was just being like, sure. oh, she's pretty hot, you know? Yeah. I, I think that there's a, there's a, they have some fun with it. They talk about how uncomfortable the flash suit is in the crotch, right? Um, there's a scene where uh, the superwoman um, has gets her suit on for the first time. And she's sort of doing a Superman thing where she's just kind of hanging in midair three or four feet above the ground. And she's looking out at the horizon. And it's a reveal. He, so mm. Flash comes walking up to her. You know, he's behind her he comes walking up and he's like oh hey um are you feeling better now you know and there's just sort of this reveal she's not in a sexualized pose but it's just this reveal of her body and she's gorgeous in a mm -hmm. sexy way you just it just showcases how beautiful the human form is like she's incredibly mm -hmm. fit and the message is this is there's this potency to it, right? This power mm -hmm. is manifest in the human body, you know, and I'm like, that's it. That's it right mm -hmm. there. It's not, certainly some comic books are more overtly sexualized, uh, certainly. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that in the movies, they they did a little bit with Black Widow and the earlier stuff, and then Me Too happened, and I think they kind of were like, let's be kind of careful with this, you know? Because yeah. it does in 2022, 2020, 21, 22, it starts to feel kind of gross and exploitative yeah. in ways that aren't right. But the source material is hyper-sexualized. And sure. I think they're trying to find a way where Thor can be, you can kind of laugh about it in a teenage way, you know, where the the lab technician who's female is like, you know, touches his bicep or something. It's kind of like, you yeah. know, and we're supposed to relate to like, yeah, he's like, he's an Adonis, you know, yeah. but he's so open. He's got a friendly smile. He's approachable. So they're doing all these things to keep it from feeling cringy. Yeah. And I think what they, they're like, you know what, if we're going to err on one way or the other, let's err on the side of innocence. And, uh, but you know, if, if you're going to get adults invested in this, you, there's going to have to be some chemistry, some genuine chemistry. And, you know, it's got a bubble. They can have a kiss without it being, you know, we, we've we talked a lot about the Indiana Jones movies in this episode. Well, he always had a love interest in each movie, Yeah, you know, and I don't think those were super cringy, you know, um, and it wasn't like we saw any actual love scenes or anything like that, but there were kisses in the, in the right. films, you know. And by the time um, they get to Crystal Skull, he's had three ingenues and he's back to Marion. And, right. and, you know, he's like, I've, he you know, I've, I've been yeah. with a lot of women in my time. And she's like, well, what was yeah. the problem? He's like, they weren't you, sweetheart. And I think yeah. that that's meta. That comments are like, not sure. the, 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 you know, the female leads in both Indiana two and three were there. There was chemistry there. They had sizzle. They just never got to. It was never Marion, man. I mean, right. Sure. She, she was she was always the one. And so then we we get her back. In the fifth one, and and I think it's right having his goddaughter be the female foil because we we get the sort of um, 
I don't mean this to sound offensive, but geriatric chemistry. They're at a, the golden age of their life. So we get to see sure. her again at the end of that film. But, um, you know, his female counterpart throughout is family and yeah. not, you know, so they get they get that kind of point counterpoint and that spark in right. different ways. And again, James Mangold, man, high five, mm -hmm. like virtual high five James Mangold. Oh, yeah, for sure. Anyway, um, so. yeah, we're we're going on and on, but I, you know, but yeah, I don't know what we want to do next, but oh, we're gonna do the wrestler, soon. The wrestler, or later. yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, we we averted, not averted. That isn't the, really the diverted, uh, diverted our attention. Um, because yeah, because we were going to do the wrestler, and then I saw that uh, the flash had dropped, and I knew you'd already seen it and I wanted to see it. So I said, Hey, let's, I watched let's it again. I watched it again oh, last okay. night, actually. So it's cool. fresh in my mind. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's two thumbs up from, from us, you know, yeah. I, I would, I would recommend it. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, so. it's not the kind of, sometimes we get a two thumbs up and we're like, guys, if you have not seen this movie, you got to go see this movie. I, I'm, I don't mm. feel that strongly about it, but no, I, no. I, I enjoyed it. I've watched I it twice now. So it's yeah. like, I had I had fun with it. Excuse me. So, <laughs> Excuse yeah. Me. Uh, Chris Excuse and Chris me. talk movies at gmail.com. That's our handle. We're on the socials. Like and subscribe. Blah, blah, blah. All that great stuff. Thanks for watching. Um, we're going to watch um, The Wrestler. Very different film. <laughs> uh, I can't Not believe I still film. haven't seen it. But um, yeah. So if you want to watch that one. About. Yeah. If you want to watch that one with us for next time, I'm sure there's going to be a lot to talk about. And uh, I mean, I guess unless you have anything else you want to add here at the end. No, I think that's it. Then Chris and I will talk to you all next week.